Good morning, good morning. How's everybody doing? Good? All right. Everybody have a good Thanksgiving? Yes, very good. Well, my name is Brent. I'm one of our pastors on staff here. I uh, pastor our junior and senior high kids. Possibly, is, is that me making that noise? Possibly the greatest job on the face of the planet. So you think you have the best job. I have the best job. So that's settled. It's true. Well, this is your first time here. I just want to say welcome. We're happy you're here. We believe you're in a good place this morning. Um, and I'm going to open us up with a, a word of prayer and we'll, we'll hop into this. So, Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for this morning. We got an opportunity just to get away from uh, some distractions within our life. God, just coming here. And I pray that we'll just uh, be challenged today with your word. And I pray, God, that it just speaks truth into our life. God, and that we leave here changed and different. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Well, I know Pastor Troy always says something about Iowa football. I think he refers to them as Division Three. So I don't know how we only won by, what, six points? My goodness. Go Huskers? Anyway, it's good. Sorry, Hawkeyes. It's cool. And Tennessee won its first SEC game of the year. So, like, the whole state of Tennessee was, like, in uproar. It was amazing. Our head coach got fired. So we're, like, starting from the ground up. It's cool. There's more to life than football, supposedly. Um, Well, hey, uh, I have the honor of doing our last week of our ADD series. Who all loves that you get to go to a church that names a series ADD? It's so cool. You don't don't really hear that a whole lot. But um, Pastor Troy is in Florida with with his, uh, not youngest daughter, but one of the daughters there. He'll be back tomorrow. Um, So this whole ADD series, uh, we're really talking through this thought right here is that many of us have a spiritual version of ADD or ADHD, or as Pastor Troy referred to, ADHD TV. Does anybody remember him saying that every week? Within our hearts. And the thing about this is that oftentimes this ADD within our hearts, it can really mess up our life and it can really mess up our journey. It can really mess up our relationship with God. And honestly, this ADD within us, it complicates things. And, and really, because of this, we miss out on some pretty significant and pretty important moments within our life, within our spiritual journey, within our relationship with God, all because we deal with this ADD within us. And because of it, we really struggle to move, really struggle to get anywhere. So for me, I know looking at the past three weeks, we've talked about three different things, and we're going to go through them here in a second just to kind of recap before we really hop in. We've looked at some things within our lives that can be some ADD characteristics or symptoms within our hearts. And I don't know about you guys, but I have been, uh, I've realized that I have a lot of dysfunctional patterns still within my life because of what we've talked about over the past few weeks. And I realize that this ADD thing, maybe I'm the only one, but I can relate to what we've been talking about and like losing focus and being distracted and hopping from one thing to the next. And I can feel the, the tension within me with the ADD within my heart. And I can also feel the tension with the literal ADD that I probably deal with on a daily basis. Does anyone else have it out there? Because I think I have a little bit of it. Like when you're reading a book, and maybe this is just being part of a being part of being a human being. Maybe I don't have ADD, but you're reading a book, all right, or you're studying, and you're really trying to focus and really trying to read, and you're really into the story or you're really into studying for that test. And the next thing you know, maybe I'm the only one that does this. Before you realize it, you're looking up into the nothingness of the air in front of you. Does anybody else do that? 
Be honest here. It's okay. It's a safe place. Or you've been on the other end of this in like a business meeting or a school class, and someone across the room like is zoning out like super intensely, and they're like zoned in on something for like a minute, and then it's like they like pop out of it, and you're like, the hell is cool? You know what I'm talking about? You've been on that end too. Or for me, whenever I sit down, my leg always like hops up and down because I can't sit still. Does anyone else out there do that? Or have people within your life that it really annoys you that they do that? You know what I'm talking about? But I struggle, I think, a little bit with literal ADD. Maybe it's just part of being a human. Maybe it's not. Um, But the thing is, though, this morning, I want to throw a disclaimer out there because we're doing this whole ADD series. So I just want to throw a disclaimer and let everyone know this morning we're not doing like a literal medical study on like actual ADD. So there's a chance I'm going to say something wrong about actual ADD, and you're going to be like, that was wrong. i got to go talk to Brent and tell him he was wrong. You don't need to come talk to me because I'm not a medical doctor. I went to ministry school, so I probably don't know a lot about actual ADD stuff. But disclaimer, it's just a springboard for us, all right, to really hop into our life and understand the ADD that we might fight against and battle within ourselves and our hearts. So the whole point of this whole series, we've hit every single week, it's this one thought right here. It's that if we don't think clearly... We're not going to act rightly, and we're going to become part of the crazy in the world. Who all can look out in the world and see the crazy that is within the world? Some of us might be part of the crazy. But the thing is, with this whole ADD thing, it's when we don't think clearly, it's going to cause us to not act rightly. And because of that, we become part of the craziness within the world. In 1 Peter 1.13, it says this. It says, so think clearly and exercise self-control. So what this verse is saying, all right, it means that we need to allow God to change our perspective and our patterns in our life that may be dysfunctional. And like I said, over the past few weeks, I've realized I got some dysfunctional patterns within my life that I need to trust God with, and I need to give to God and allow Him to, to change. So this whole of think clearly and exercise self-control is really saying, God, I'm willing, I'm, I'm, I'm open to you changing these dysfunctional patterns within my life that are springing out of this whole struggle with ADD. So there's four signs, all right? The past three weeks, we've looked at three of these signs, and today I'm obviously doing the fourth one. So I'm going to do a quick run-through and review of the four signs that we did. Uh, Three weeks ago, we did one of the signs. It's called inattention. Now, inattention is not being able to focus on anything hardly at all because you have all these different things coming at you and you can't stay focused. And the whole thing we learn with, with our hearts is that oftentimes we find it hard to hear God's voice, and we find it hard to tune in to God, and maybe that's because we don't even know what God's voice sounds like. Like when you hear saying, we don't know how to hear God's voice, you're like, what does that even mean? But it's, there's all these other distractions within our life that are causing us to lose sight and not be able to hear God trying to speak within our lives. The second week, we looked at a thing called hyperactivity. This is when, with literal ADD, it's when you can't sit still, which I said I, I struggle with, so this is partially me. Always running around, you have difficulty staying in one place, and the whole thing with this, with our lives and our heart, is that we find it hard to be content in life, meaning this whole fulfillment in life and satisfaction in life, we find it hard to get that because we're jumping around from one thing to the next, and we're going to kind of talk about that here in a few minutes of what that really looks like for our lives. Last week, we looked at a thing called emotional instability, and these are the... uh, Examples, if you struggle with this, with literal ADD. It's, you have explosions of anger. Socially, it says you're a loner. You usually blame others for problems. You're quick to fight. That's not me. I'm not quick to fight. 
um, overly sensitive to criticism. And the whole thing with our hearts is, is this, that we find it hard to relate. And specifically, we, we find it hard to relate to people in our relationships. It's almost like with us dealing with this instability with our emotions, there's these barriers up between the, us and the people within our lives. We really want to connect. We, re, we really want to have good, solid relationship, but we just can't because we struggle with this part of ADD within our hearts. But today, we're going to look at the last of the four signs. It is a word called impulsivity, which I can honestly say I did not think was a word when Pastor Troy told me I was going to be speaking on it. I was like, you mean impulsive? He goes, no, impulsivity. I'm like, I don't know. He was like, look it up in the dictionary, and sure enough, impulsivity was there, so I laid down my pride. But impulsivity, it's being impulsive. And this whole thing, it's a lot of times in life, when you think about your life, a lot of times we, we find it hard to think before we jump. So sometimes we don't think about the destination that our decisions are taking us. We don't think about the road that our choices are leading us down because we struggle with being impulsive and not thinking before we jump. And for me, I feel like this is the one out of all four that we've hit, I feel like this is the one that I battle with the most still today, especially within my past, where I just don't think about the choices that I'm, I'm making, especially really before I knew God or God was a part of my life. I didn't think a whole lot about choices I was making. I didn't think a whole lot about the destination that my decisions were taking me to. Um, and I had trouble learning from my mistakes because I dealt with being impulsive. And I think some of us can relate to that this morning. So here's a, diagn- a diagnosis of the natural symptoms and signs of, of being impulsive or impulsivity. So you can look this up on Wikipedia. These signs will probably be on there unless someone gets on there and changes it because you can do that. You can't even truck trust Wikipedia, but you can get on WebMD or whatever, and you, you can look at these. These are seven signs of natural impulsivity of ADD that you can deal with, and I'm going to try to connect these to our lives and our hearts so I can somewhat make sense this morning. So the first is this. If you are actually dealing with being impulsive, it's this. Acts often without thinking, which we've hit that, which means we don't think about the choices we're making. We don't think about the destination of our decisions. And the consequences that may happen if we do this, or the consequences that may happen if I do that, we oftentimes act without thinking. Secondly is this, shifts quickly from one activity to the next, meaning, all right, I'm going to jump from here to here to here to here, because God created you, every one of us in here, with a desire to feel fulfillment and satisfaction and purpose in life. And a lot of times we jump from this relationship, we're trying to find fulfillment and satisfaction in this relationship. If I can just have this relationship, I'm going to be happy, I'm going to be fulfilled, I'm going to be satisfied. And you quickly find out that's not satisfying you. So you go over here and you start buying all these material possessions, the new car, the new TV, so you can feel like fulfilled and satisfied in life. And you realize quickly those things aren't satisfying me either. So you jump to the next great thing. And you realize quickly that anything outside of God is actually probably not going to bring you fulfillment and the satisfaction that you need within your life because that's how God wired us and that's how God created us. But a lot of times we deal with shifting quickly from one thing to the next because we're searching for that satisfaction, that fulfillment in life that God put within you when he created you. Another thing is this, has difficulty organizing work. So, or you could put has difficulty organizing life. So when it comes to life like the blocks of life, like we just have trouble stacking it because we, we deal with being impulsive, we're dealing with this ADD within us. And if you're honest, you were to look at your life, you would say, Brent, my life is usually more out of order than it is in order. And that's because we're dealing with this ADD within us of not being able to organize our life. 
another symptom of literally being impulsive with ADD, it's this. I thought this was funny. Needs a lot of supervision. Who all can think of someone within your life that just needs a lot of supervision? And I'm not talking about like kids. I'm talking about like adults or maybe college students. You're like, someone needs to keep an eye on that guy or that girl like constantly because something bad is about to happen. You know what I'm talking about. And this whole dealing with being impulsive, one of the symptoms is you need a lot of supervision. And this is how it relates to our life. It's because left on our own, and I will just straight up say this, I can be very irresponsible. And left on our own, we can be very ir- irresponsible people, meaning we expect other people to do what only we're responsible for. So with our attitudes and our choices and how we treat people, we're ir- irresponsible with those things sometimes because we think other people are responsible for that, and we, we kind of neglect the responsibility that God's placed on our lives. And because of that, we need people to supervise us. The next one is this. It might sound kind of random, but it uh, touches others often in, inappropriately. And when you think about this one, it really is with our lives, it has to do with our relationships, all right? Now, relationships are very important. God created us to be in relationship with Him and to be in relationship with, with others. And oftentimes, we can go a little too far in relationships, whether it's physically going too far or emotionally going too far, and you're just creeping closer to, to that cliff. And whether it's physically or emotionally, both of them are equally as dangerous. And that's something that we struggle with. And the last of the seven is this doesn't wait to take turns. Who on here has gone to Chick-fil-A in the past whenever it opened? Does someone know the date it opened? Somebody has to know. Someone's crazy out there. Just yell it out. November 1st? Okay, it's like three and a half weeks ago. Who all has sat in that line? One day I went by, that line was all the way up to Giles in 72nd, and I swear it probably took 40 minutes, and I wasn't going to sit in that line because I am so impatient and I don't want to wait to take my turn. Does anyone else know what I'm talking about? And the whole concept of fast food with Chick-fil-A is like thrown out the window. It's like I could go sit down at a restaurant and eat it like chilies and be done by the time I get my chicken sandwich. But it's worth it because it's Chick-fil-A, right? I'm not dogging Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A is awesome. But the reality is that we often have zero patience when it comes to life. And this whole being impulsive and this ADD within our hearts is just another sign and, and another symptom that something is wrong underneath the surface. Now, looking through those points, I think some of us, at some point, was able to relate to one of those, whatever it was. Maybe you feel like your life is disorganized, or you feel like you don't think before you jump. There's something within there where you can say, Brent, I, I feel like, and I realize that there's some ADD within me, because if this is a symptom, like, I'm dealing with this. And I, I want us to take another step even deeper into getting more practical into three things that are really major signs of if we're dealing with being in, impulsive practically with our life. These are three things that we are really going to deal with. So the first is this, that we often feel pressured to force things in place in our life. Meaning if there's a situation or you know, you're trusting God for something and God's not coming through for you like you want him to and he's not working on your time frame and your agenda, that we, we try to manipulate situations and change things, right? Because we think it's all about us and all about our time. And if it doesn't work out exactly like I think it needs to, right, I'm going to force things in place so that they can work out how I think they need to. But oftentimes in life, when we're dealing with this whole being impulsive and this ADD within our hearts, we oftentimes feel force or pressure to force those things within our lives. Another one, which I've hit before, it's we often don't think before we jump. And I've said that a lot because it's a big deal. 
a lot of times we just don't think before we jump. We don't process, all right, if I do this, then this is going to happen to me. Or last time I did that or I made that decision, that was really bad, and this is what happened to me, and I realized, you know, if I do that again, more than likely the same thing is going to happen, all right? And back in high school, I didn't understand that concept because I kept doing the same thing, the same thing, the same thing, expecting different results. Nothing ever happened. But a lot of times we have trouble thinking before we jump. We don't think about where our choices are taking us and with our personal choices, with how much we worry, with how we treat that person and realizing, wow, this is a bigger deal than we even realize. And I think sometimes we think, all right, if I don't murder anyone and if I don't steal anything from Walmart, I'm going to be okay. Like, I'm, you know, like these little sins of me worrying a little bit or compromising in this area, we got to realize that God cares about the smallest details of our lives. And, and, and we think sometimes, at least I do, all right, if I just don't do the, 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 those big sins and mess up big, like, I'm going to be okay. And God's like, you know what, I care about those little areas that you're compromising in because I have something better for you in them. And I think that's something we don't think about a whole lot. The last one is this, is we often live life without delay, that we are driven by pleasure. And you look out in culture, our culture is driven by pleasure. And our culture is really living life without delay. Because the rule in our culture is this, and you guys have heard it before, people say all the time, if it feels good, then what? Do it, right? If it feels good, then do it. If your heart says to do it, go for it. Like, because obviously it's good for you, right? Like, if my heart told me to eat a gallon of ice cream, I, that would not be good for me. But sometimes your heart will tell you to eat a gallon of ice cream, right? You know what I'm talking about. It's like, no, that's not good for me. But we oftentimes have, have trouble living life without delay because we're driven by pleasure. And this whole concept of if it feels good, do it. When God's like, hey, be patient. I want you to wait. I want you to develop it. I want you to grow it. I want you to mature it. Just step back. It's going to be okay. We have trouble doing that because our culture is moving so fast and we're driven by pleasure. Now, for me, I was driven, or I had trouble living life without delay. I mean, probably a lot. But a practical story for me is, who in here loves chicken? I mean, we, we just talked about Chick-fil-A. Come on. Chicken's rock. That's right. So I, oh, dropped my bottle cap. I've eaten a lot of chicken over the past three years, right? So I'm a single 24-year-old. All I know how to do is put 350 on the oven, put chicken in a marinade, and just stick it in there. And I have like eight or nine different marinades that I can rotate through. So it's a pretty good situation. So, but like a week and a half ago, I got home from work and I was like starving. I think I forgot to eat lunch or something. And I put, I spray the stuff for the chicken to be put in a little container. I don't even know what you call those things. As you can tell, I'm an excellent cook. And I put it in the oven and you wait like 45 or 50 minutes, right? And then the chicken's done. And like after about 35 minutes, I was like, I was like watching CNN or news or something because I'm trying to feel all smart and I have no idea what's going on. And I was like, I have to get this chicken now. So it was like 35 minutes. And I'm like, I can like plop it up a few degrees thinking if it's like 450, it'll cook quicker or whatever. And, you know, I pull it out. And I'm like, all right, I'm starving. I'm, I'm driven by pleasure. I, I can't delay. I, I need my chicken. And I get it out, take my bite, and it, it looks good. You know, it's still good. And then I, I bite into it. And then you realize, and if anyone out there has done it before, you've like, taking a bite of undercooked chicken, and it's, like, really tough and, like, spongy, and it, like, ruined my night. Like, I wasn't even hungry afterwards, and I was like, forget this. I'm not even going to eat dinner anymore. You know what I'm talking about? But if I would have waited, like, 10 minutes, I would have been okay, and the chicken would have been great, and I would have been happy. But I was living life without delay, and I was driven by pleasure to eat the chicken. But because I wouldn't wait 10 more minutes, 
the chicken was ruined. So that's me, and it was nasty. But I think all of us struggle with being impulsive in some way, all right? With, I've hit a lot of points here in just this first little bit. I think we can relate to something if we're honest with ourselves from the things that we've heard. But here's the thing. With being impulsive, all right, there's a root to the problem of being impulsive. I tell our students all the time, you know, with people getting caught up in, in drugs and, and, you know, messing around with, when they don't, don't need to be messing around sexually and, you know, being depressed, like there's, that is a fruit of something deeper that's going on within you. So you think of those things like, I tell those students, like, like the fact that you're looking to alcohol to satisfy and fulfill you is because there's a pain within your life that you haven't dealt with from your family, from your past. And we've got to figure out what the root of the problem is because when you get to the root of the problem, the weed's going to be gone. And there's a root to the problem of being impulsive and struggling with this ADD within us. And it is this one word called impatience. Who in here is impatient? I'll be the first one to raise my hand. Impatience. But the, the root of being impulsive is being impatient. And believe it or not, God actually has a treatment for this and a solution for this. So if you're here this morning and you've been discouraged, like, wow, every one of those points, like when you were connected to my life, I'm like, that's me, that's me, that's me, that's me. Be encouraged because that's me too, all right? None of us are perfect, but God has a solution and God has a treatment to help us because God cares about us and God wants to be a part of our life. And it is this one solution and this one treatment. It's called waiting on God. And you guys are probably like, wow, really, Brent, waiting on God? Like, that's so cliche, really, like, waiting on God? Like, when I picture waiting on God, I imagine myself sitting in a big room, and I'm sitting there waiting. Like, I'm not talking, I'm just waiting on God, all right? And I think that's the mental picture we get sometimes when we hear the term waiting on God. But what I'm talking about this morning is, like, actively waiting on God, like, living your life, doing what you're responsible for, and actively waiting on God. And the Bible has a lot to say about being impulsive. The Bible has a lot to say about being impatient. But more importantly, the Bible has a lot to say about how we can wait on God. There's a guy in the Bible, his name was David, all right? When he was 16 years old, I'm going to kind of set up this story because we're going to be talking about him throughout the rest of this message. When he was 16 years old, all right, he was out tending sheep in his father's fields, all right? And this guy named Samuel, he was a priest. You could just refer to Call him Pastor Samuel. I don't know, Pastor Sam. That God was speaking through Samuel saying, all right, I want you to anoint someone to be the next king over Israel. And he told Samuel, go to Jesse's house, which was David's father, and I want you to meet with all of Jesse's sons. And I'm going to tell you which one I want you to anoint. And sure enough, uh, Samuel goes, and Jesse gets all of his kids there, right? And there's like seven of them. And he starts going down the line, and Samuel's like, nope, you're not the one. Nope, you're not the one. Nope, you're not the one. And you know, every time Samuel said nope to one of them, the guy was like, you kidding me? I thought I was the next king. This is not cool at all. And he's like, nope, 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 nope. And he goes through all the sons, and he's like, none of these are the ones I'm supposed to anoint to be next king. And Samuel goes, Jesse, do you have another son? And Jesse's like, yeah, I mean, we have David. He hangs out with sheep all day. But, like, why would you want to go talk to David? He's just a shepherd boy. And Samuel's like, you know what? Go get David and bring him in here. And sure enough, David comes in, and God tells Samuel, that's my guy. That's my man. And Samuel's like, David, I'm going to anoint you to be next king over Israel. And David's like, what? Like, are you kidding me? Like, I hang out with, like, sheep are my friends. Like, I, I have... What are you supposed to, like, I'm, I'm supposed to be next king? And 14 years go by in David's life from him being anointed to him being crowned king over Israel. 
So there's a lot we can learn from David's story with this on battling impatience and waiting on God, all right? And I hope I'm going to make sense this morning. So one thing that David learned to do and something that we can learn to do, first and foremost, we got to learn to wait on God. It's this. It's we have to learn to walk behind God, not in front. Got to learn to walk behind God, not in front, all right? Because I know me personally, and I can only say this for myself, because I don't know you guys, your situations, I can't lead my life because I tried that for a while and I led myself straight to destruction and I'm like, you know what, God, if you created me, you have a plan for my life, you know what's best for my life, I got to know I got to follow you. But I think sometimes, and I still deal with this, where I, I try to hop in front of God with things within my life and God's like, dude, just get behind me. Like, this is going to be okay. Just wait. And this is something that David dealt with, all right? So David actually had a chance to shortcut and find a loophole to fast forward his way to the kingdom, all right? So David was going to be next king, all right? And Saul was intimidated by David because all the ladies loved David. Everyone loved David. And they actually wrote songs about him, about David killing. Saul kills his thousands. David kills his ten thousands. And back then, Saul was like, man, I can kill 10,000 people. But they're like, no, the song says David does. And he was intimidated by that. And he actually chases David because he tries to kill him. David was playing a harp, which isn't very manly, but I guess it was back then. Somebody buy me a harp. That's what I want for Christmas. Please, give me a harp. David was playing a harp in the palace that he was going to be king in one day. And Saul is so intimidated by him that he throws a spear at him. And David runs. There's a spear coming at you. Why would you not run away? And Saul is so intimidated by him, he chases him into the wilderness. And David is living in caves and running around for an extended amount of time. And there comes this point in the story. You can read it. It's in 1 Samuel where Saul and David are in a cave together. It's pitch black. And the cool thing about the story is David knows that Saul's there, but Saul doesn't know that David's there. And David actually walks up behind Saul and cuts off part of his robe. And Saul ends up walking out because Saul's looking for David this whole time. And David ends up running out behind him and says, King Saul, I want you to know I cut off part of your robe, which he was saying, I had a chance to end your life. I had a chance to be next king in a heartbeat. And it says right here in 1 Samuel 24 that this is what he said. He said, I will not lay a hand on my Lord because he is the Lord's anointed. That David knew the way to the kingdom was not killing off the king. He, he knew the way to the kingdom was waiting and walking behind God. David could have found shortcuts and loopholes. He could have killed Saul and David would have been next king because that's how things worked back then. But David, David knew that that's not what God wanted because that would be hopping in front of God. That shortcuts always short-circuit our lives every time. It's guaranteed. We walk in front of God when we attempt to force things into place. When we attempt to manipulate situations. When we think that we can call the shots and I'm only going to fall back on God's advice and God's direction if I really get in trouble. When God's like, I gave you that advice, that direction to begin with because I wanted to keep you out of trouble in the first place. But sometimes we walk in front of God we begin to think that way. So what does this look like within our lives? Sometimes walking in front of God can look like chasing after a relationship that may be unhealthy for us, but we look for excuses to continue in it because the excuses are easy to find. Sometimes walking in front of God, it's, you hear the Bible talks about these fruit of the Spirit, all right? This is like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, all, all this stuff. And like all of us want that because we want to love people. We want to be joyful. We want to be at peace. And the Bible talks about how God's Spirit living inside of you is going to produce that naturally. But sometimes 
least with me, if I'm not at peace about something or I'm not loving someone like I need to because they're hard to love, like I'll try to force myself to love them or I'll try to force peace and it ends up backfiring. Does anybody out there know what I'm talking about? And it's like, you can't do that. Like you look at an orange tree out wherever orange trees are in Florida. That sounds good to me because that's where orange, all my orange juice comes from. And an orange tree produces fruit, right? They produce oranges. You don't see an orange tree like standing there and like forcing, oh, there's an orange. Like, oh, that came out of nowhere. And he's like trying to force all these oranges. That's not how it works with producing fruit in life. It happens because the orange tree is, is connected to the source of its strength that can, can, that can produce healthy, natural fruit. And it's the same way with us and God. But I know with me, sometimes I try to get in the way of God and trying to force that fruit naturally within my life. And I just don't think it works that way. Sometimes we may think that we know what's best for our lives and we ask God to bless our plan. And God's like, I don't think that's how this thing works. Oftentimes in life, we are tempted to look for loopholes and shortcuts when it comes to our spiritual, our spiritual journey and obedience to God because we are impatient people who want quick results, even if it means compromising and shortcutting and finding loopholes in what God is asking us to do. But let me encourage you this morning, all right? The Bible says in Psalm 119, 105, that your word, which is God's word, is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So we're going to go on a journey here this morning, all right? If anybody wants to go, feel free. I had five people that offered to go with me for a service, so there's five or six of us. So imagine yourself walking down a dark path, no light, in the middle of nowhere, dark path. And all you have is a lamp in your hand, not a flashlight with, like, energizer batteries. I'm talking about a lamp. Like, you light it with a match, and lamps light up just a few feet in front of you, all right? So you're walking down this path, and it says God's Word is like a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. So your path is not fully lit up, all right, if you think about your life. It's not fully lit up if this is what God is saying. The few steps in front of you, though, are lit up. God's saying, hey, with your personal choices, I want you to do this. With how you treat people, I want you to do this. With that bad habit that you're trying to break, I want you to do this. And that little voice that you hear saying, you don't need to do that, this may not be the best decision. You know what's going to happen if you go down that path. You've got to go talk to someone about what you're dealing with. Think before you jump. Is God trying to say, hey, this will be a lot easier if you trust me? And get behind me and let me guide your life. And it's not God trying to guide the whole journey. It's God guiding you step by step, day by day, in the small choices and the small compromises that we have. So we have to listen for God's voice and don't ignore it. Don't look for loopholes and shortcuts. But be patient and learn to walk behind God. And it's a learning process. So don't beat yourself up if you feel like you haven't got this down because it's a learning process. And all of us are somewhere on the journey. Secondly is this. If we want to learn how to, how to wait on God, we have to understand that patience comes only by sticking with it. That you look at David's story, like we talked about, David's life began to spiral out of control, right? Because he was being chased. His very life was being threatened. And honestly, where David was, he was out in the wilderness, lost and in caves. It was not actually his fault because Saul was the one that was pursuing him. And this is what David says in 1 Samuel 20. He says, what have I done? What is my crime? How have I wronged your father that he is trying to kill me? He was talking to Jonathan, which was Saul's son. And at this point, I think this is what David was thinking. He was thinking, God, I thought you told me I was going to be king one day. This doesn't feel like you're preparing me at all. What road are you taking me down? And I think that can be some of us in, in life where you feel like God's just not coming through for you. And you're like, God, where are you, God? I don't understand. God, you promised me you would do this within my life, and I don't see what's happening feels like nothing's taking place, and God's like, hey, 
there's more going on here than what you realize. There's a lot going on under the surface that I'm working on all, all things for your good. That God used the situations that, that David's faced. God used the situations David faced during his waiting years to mold him, to shape him, to grow him, and mature him, and to really teach him life lessons when it came to his relationship with God and when it came to who he created him to be. Now, for me, I know I can be very hard-headed and very hard-hearted at times when it comes to learning lessons from God to where, like I said earlier, I'll keep doing the same thing, the same thing, the same thing, and expect a different result, and that's just not going to happen. And looking back at my life, I realized that I increased seasons of me having to be patient and sticking it out with God because of my stupidity and my disobedience. And luckily, God is a patient God who's, who's full of love and compassion, and he kept saying, all right, Brent didn't learn it this time again, but hey, I love him. I'm, I'm going to keep I'm going to keep telling him and keep trying to help him and keep trying to get his attention. But there are times in our life where David experienced right here. David didn't do anything to deserve to get in the wilderness and to be lost and to be in caves. It was just what was going on in his life there. And believe it or not, God was actually behind the scenes working in him, working through the situations, working through the circumstances to prepare him for where God was taking him in the future. And what David had to do was David just had to trust God, stick with it, be patient, persevere, that David probably didn't understand why he was in the wilderness and why he was running. But the Bible talks about how in order to have patience, oftentimes we have to go through a situation that really tests our patience and builds patience within us. That maybe you feel like David, and maybe you feel like you're in the wilderness, and you want to be closer to God, and you're, you feel like you're trying your part, but you're, you still got pains within your life. And I'm here to tell you that maybe God's trying to speak to you through your pain, because God's always trying to get our attention. It's just a matter of if we're listening and we're focused, or if we're really letting this ADD get a hold of our hearts. In Romans 8, 26, it says, the moment we get tired in the waiting, meaning there's going to be a moment when you're going to get tired in waiting. So if you get tired in waiting, be encouraged, because the Bible says when you get tired in waiting, it says this right here. It says, God's Spirit is right alongside helping us along. I don't know about you guys, but that encourages me when, like, I feel like, God, where are you? God, I don't understand. I still don't know what I'm supposed to do with this situation. And God's like, hey, I understand you're getting tired in the waiting. I'm right here. It's going to be okay. And that's when we can apply what we learned in that first point of, of letting God lead our steps, step by step by step in our choices, and letting his word guide us. In James 1.4, it says this. It says, but let endurance and steadfastness and patience have full play and do a thorough work so that you may be perfectly and fully developed with no defects, lacking in nothing. Now, lacking in nothing, it comes from having to experience times of persevering and steadfastness and having to be patient with things. And it can be hard in the moment. But I know I've had times in my life where I've had to experience those persevering times wondering, God, where in the world are you? And I can look back and I can see all that God was doing to me, and I'm thankful for those times because I'm changed and I'm better off because of it. So if we want to learn how to wait on God, we've got to learn to walk behind God, right? Don't look for the loopholes. Don't look for the shortcuts. God's word is a lamp to your feet, a light to your path. God's going to guide you step by step. It's just a matter of are we being obedient and are we listening? Are we doing the things that we know God is asking us to do? Because God will never force obedience into your life. Because God gives you a choice. You can be obedient to me where you can choose to disobey me. But the Bible says, today I put before you life and death. And he says, all of heaven and all of earth is watching to see what you choose to do. 
And the truth is that God will never force obedience within our lives. He gives us a choice because it's a love relationship. And God knows if he forces us to do something, there's no love in that. It's something that we have to decide to do for ourselves. And then we have to learn how to be patient and stick with those persevering times and those times of confusion when we feel lost and in the wilderness. And the last thing is this. We have to learn how to embrace God's process. Embrace God's process. You look at David's story. It took 14 years, all right, from when God promised David something. It took 14 years for it to come to pass, all right? So David knew what it meant to fight impatience. David knew what it meant to wait on God. And this is what he says toward the end of his life. He says this, looking back on everything I've gone through, everything I've experienced, this is what I learned from God. He says in Psalm 37, he says, surrender yourself to the Lord and wait patiently for him. If I've learned anything in embracing God's process, I've learned I just need to surrender to God, trust God, walk behind God, be patient, and trust that he's with me, trust that he's working things out for my good. Now, how do we embrace, right? So God makes a promise for your life. You read it in the Bible, and then we believe that, and we embrace it. And you guys are like, wow, that's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. So think about this, all right? Things within your life that you embrace, all right? You embrace family members that uh, that you love. You embrace things that you care about. So there's things within our life in here, and I think some of you guys know what I'm talking about because there's things within your life that you're believing God for within your life, or you're, you're desiring for God to do within your life because you realize that you need it. And when it says embrace God's process, you don't embrace things that you don't want, all right? So if, if you feel like you're empty inside and you need fulfillment and satisfaction or you lack identity or purpose or you don't have the strength to, uh, uh, you know, do the right thing or to treat people the, uh, the right way, that God says, hey, you realize that you need that. I need you to embrace it and believe because it's in his word. If you realize you're in pain, it's, it's embracing what God says is saying, hey, I'm everything that you need. I understand what's going on. I'm here for you. And it's embracing God in that. But sometimes things with God take time. And when you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting, there's going to come times in our waiting where we want to give up. And we want to be like, God, forget this. I've, I've waited too long. I don't understand but sometimes things with God take time, like a seed that's been planted. It needs proper water. It needs proper sunlight to grow and mature and be healthy. And embracing God's process, it means being patient and trusting God. The worship team can go ahead and come up, if you would, for me. So imagine with me for a second, all right? Imagine if God actually knew you better than you knew yourself, just as the Bible says. Well, what if God actually created you and formed you in your mother's room, just as the Bible says, and every day of your life was written and planned out before one of them came to pass? Imagine for a second. What if God actually has a better life for you than the, the, that far outweighs any attempt you have made to piece your life together? Because I don't know about you, but on my own, my, my life is broken, and the pieces are shattered, and I can get as much glue and duct tape as I can get. I can't put it back together like it's supposed to be. But God says, hey... I can do that for you. What if God was asking you to trust him? What if God was asking you to embrace him and what he's done for you and embrace those things that you're waiting for and trust that, hey, it's going to happen. Just be patient. 
I'm going to close out with this verse. In Matthew 6, it says this. It says, If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never seen, don't you think that he'll attend to you? Take pride in you. Do his best for you. What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. And it goes on to say, don't worry about missing out. I mean, don't worry about not getting the things that you need within your life because God has everything that you need. You'll find all your every, everyday human concerns will be met. And in Matthew 6, it also says this, that if you seek God first, if you seek God's kingdom, it says God's going to give you everything that you need. And the key word is need because a lot of stuff that we think we need, we actually just want and we really don't need. We know the stuff that we need in our, in our lives. And God says, hey, I got it. Are you going to do your part in coming after me, though, and trusting me that I'm going to come through for you? If you guys will just shut your eyes for me, just here for a, a moment or two. And I want to ask you, are you embracing and believing that God can supply everything you need? Are you embracing and believing that God actually has your best interest in mind? That maybe we struggle with being impulsive and impatient because we aren't sure if God can come through for us. Maybe that's why we have trouble waiting on God because deep down inside we're, we are afraid he won't even show up. Maybe that's you. I think there's some of you out here this morning that you look at your life and God isn't even a part of your life and you feel empty inside. You're never at peace. You feel like there's something more and it's because God isn't a part of your life and God is giving you an opportunity this morning to embrace him, embrace what Jesus did for you on that cross by giving up his life for you, to forgive you of your sins and to make a way to God, having a relationship with God. I think some of us in here are struggling with walking in front of God. We have trouble letting God lead because that means we have to have faith and that means we're not going to know what's around the next corner even though God knows what's down the path. And as long as I'm behind God, I can know everything's going to be okay. If you're here tonight and you feel like, or if you're here this morning and, and you feel like that God is, God's not a part of your life and you feel God calling you today to embrace Him because God wants to be a part of your life, I just want you to to raise your hand for me. Uh, nobody's looking around. And maybe you're here this morning and you say, Brent, God is a part of my life, but I realize that God, God's challenging me to walk behind him, to not get in front of him, that God's challenging me that when the going gets tough and I need to persevere to trust him and understand that he's working out all things for my good, even when he feels far away, even when I feel lost in a dry desert and in the wilderness, that God is there in the midst of my pain and when I want to give up, God's spirit is there to help me along. Or maybe God's calling you just to embrace his process and embrace who he is. So Lord, God, do you know the situations that each of us are dealing with in this room? You know the things in our lives that we're impatient and impulsive with, God. And maybe deep down inside it's because we're not sure of who you are. God, we have trouble waiting on you because we're afraid you're not going to show up. But God, you promise us that you will because you promise us that you care about us and you love us and you have a plan for us through everything. So this morning, God, I pray that we will understand and realize our part and what you're asking us to do and actively waiting on you. And I pray, God, that we'll always know and always believe that even when you feel distant, 
God, that you are right there in the midst of our situation. We ask these in Jesus' name.